All right. Uh, this is a particularly div- difficult episode. <clears throat> um, I'm sitting here. It's uh, Thursday morning, and uh, uh, I just received the news yesterday that uh, Wayne Fleming died. Um, a lot of you listening to this probably don't know who that is, and a lot of you listening to this hopefully know who that is. Um, he, uh, well, to me, uh, he was a mentor. Uh, he was a, a father figure, and uh, sorry, I made a deal with myself that I was going to record this no matter what, and I'm not going to edit it. Um, sorry, he uh, he was uh, a mentor. He was a really good friend, and uh, he was a father figure to uh, me. And basically, the way I just described him is is how. Um, I, I don't know, countless people would describe him. Uh, he was a brilliant, brilliant man, a brilliant stand-up comedian that uh, he was just a master. Um, when I was 21 and I started out doing stand-up, uh, I, I went to the Hamilton Yuck Yucks and did an amateur night, and I, 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 I kept at the amateur nights, but I, I was so insecure. You know, I mean, I'm insecure now, but back then it was it was really bad, and uh, I I just was full of self doubt, full of uh, you know, I, I had no idea if I if I had anything, uh, any talent, anything to offer the world, anything um, you know that was worth anything. And uh, I think it was only a few months, maybe two months, into my uh, stand up comedy <laughs> career that I met Wayne and I'd heard about Wayne from other comics, you know, that, that he was just this, this absolutely unbelievable presence on stage that just mastered the stage and, and, uh, and his material was unbelievable. And I, uh, I, so he was headlining a couple of months, like I say, after I was, I was, um, uh, uh, after I started and I got to meet him and, he was, uh, I did my spot. It, 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 it went okay. It, it, you know, cause it was, it was on a Friday night. The amateur nights were Wednesday nights and he, uh, and so, so this was a, a paid night, right? So this wasn't a, just a, a $2, $3, whatever it was, amateur night for audience members to get in. The, this is now like big time. This was $15 to get in to see the show. So obviously audiences expected it to be good. And, and you knew you were going to get that with Wayne. But when a, a guy like me who's only been doing it two months comes up, does a 10-minute spot on it, on the show, you know, he's obviously not as professional. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm doing my stupid little Macarena joke. And uh, and it was, it was okay, but it wasn't as good. My point is it wasn't as good as it was on the amateur nights. Um, and so I came off the stage uh, with my head down, kind of, Wishing I hadn't just, I, I wishing I had done better in front of this um, master. And what I'm telling you is absolutely true. Uh, this is not made up. This isn't over-dramatized. Nothing. I come off the stage. I'm walking along the, 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 the wall like to the, towards the back of the club, head down, in my own head. 
ripping myself apart for not being better. And these arms wrap around me. I never met this man, people. I'd never met this man before this night, okay? I, 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 at this point, we'd known each other um, maybe 20 minutes. As in, I, I met him. He was very kind to me. He said, come on over, sit with us, with the other comics, which is nice. So I come, I'm walking, and, and I, I have my head down. Like I said, I'm in my head. These big arms just kind of, kind of come and, and wrap around me. And he, uh, it was Wayne. He caught me completely off guard. And he, uh, he says, oh, my God, kid. Oh, my God. You got it. You've got it. Holy shit. He says the the the, the stage uh, stage performance the the charisma the stage persona the um uh, you know the you're the whole package. He says you just need a little bit better material, but we'll work on that. But Jesus, kid, I've been looking for you for 17 years. He says to me, no idea what he meant, and uh, he just freaked out. He just said you're you're going to be huge, you're going to be huge. That was the moment that I stopped thinking I was worthless. I was 21 years old. And don't get me wrong. I, 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 had a, I have a great mother. You, you've heard me talk about her. I have some great friends. But when a complete stranger like this, who's unbelievably revered in his field, comes up and tells me something like that, like that's impossible, you know. In my in my wildest dreams, that's that's impossible. I'm sorry. I gotta. I'm gonna pause this for a sec because I gotta blow my nose. One second. I don't need you to hear that. I'll be right back. Okay. Sorry. So, 21 years old and my life had started. Basically, is what it felt like. I felt like I belonged somewhere. I felt like someone uh, saw something in me who I didn't feel had to, like my mom or my friends. And um, as a result, I thought, yeah, I need to, I uh, I have something worth giving the world. I have a talent that even though it's raw and it's definitely, uh, it needs work for sure. I wasn't that arrogant. I wasn't thinking I was, well, let's just <laughs> give me 45 minutes on the next show. I just, uh, I felt good. And I'm not a person that feels good easy. Um, and, you know, sometimes you meet people like that and they kind of come in and out of your life and they're just there for a brief moment. Wayne's been there for 20 years. I mean, and I, I, I don't want to uh, lead you on here. I, it's not that we talked every single day. I mean, there was spans that we didn't talk. Um, I left uh, comedy when I was 30 or shortly after 30, I should say, maybe around 32, 33. And I've talked about this before on the show, but uh, I, I just get got uh, too much in life. I let too much in life get to me. I quit. I quit everything. And, I mean, I've done some stand-up since then, uh, not as much as I used to do, but since then I've obviously focused on acting and writing. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't want to go on and on about my shit. But my, my point is, my point is, that even when I left comedy and I, I um, 
you know, is off doing other things in life, Wayne was still there. I mean, we didn't talk as often. He had some health issues, and he had some issues of his own. But he was still there. And I, I never stopped thinking about what he's done for me, and he's continued to. He, um, uh, we saw each other, the last time we saw each other was actually about, like actually in each other's presence was probably about, I think, a uh, year and a half, two years ago. Uh, Kenny Robinson had put together this unbelievable show uh, when Rob Ford was at the height of his popularity called the, the Ford Follies show. And Wayne, uh, while Wayne wasn't on the show, he, he came for the show. And uh, he actually took tickets and stuff at the door. Here's this brilliant stand-up comic who didn't want to go on the show. It was offered to him. <laughs> he wanted to be there with his comic buddies and his, his best friend, uh, Kenny Robinson. And uh, uh, just take tickets and, and, and be out and enjoy the company of people he really loved and cared about and here's some great comedy from some brilliant comics on that show and then afterwards we all went out for chinese food and that was something like it was like the old times because a lot of comics used to do that after the shows on the weekends we all go out for food and uh yeah and i'll tell you it was and i said this before i'm not saying this now because of the situation that was the place to be that night in this world um that table had the most brilliant minds in comedy and i'm not talking about me at all i was just an innocent bystander who 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 got swept up and was um lucky lucky to be there uh lucky to know this man i'm sorry like i i uh some of you might have been asking yourself by now, why the hell is he bothering to record this when he's clearly not up to it? I am up to it. it the I tend to cover, and uh, I didn't want to do this a few days from now, and cover and try to be uh, clever and try to be uh, uh, whatever. Uh, I wanted to do it while it's raw because Wayne was a very raw person. He's a very honest and open person. And he always taught me that you need to be that. And whether it's, it doesn't matter. And he wasn't always talking about stand-up. He was talking about life. You you need to be honest and, and real with your feelings and your emotions. Don't be afraid of them. Say what you mean. Say what you feel. Not just in terms of like a lot of people hear that now. Again, we ta I've talked about this, you know, being, you know, authentic and honest on a podcast or on a stand-up special or on a stage or whatever. And a lot of people, I think... Um, take that as meaning you know you got to be edgy and you got to be no wayne was talking about love he was always talking about love and telling people how much you love them and cared about them he said that every fucking time i talked to that man it ended with i love you he wasn't my dad he wasn't a family member but the man said it and he meant it because it was never a throwaway line. Some people say, oh, I love you. Love you. Love you, man. It wasn't love you. It was never love you with Wayne. It was I love you. I love you. Like that. And he, he, he knew it. Um, obviously, there's people that knew him better than I was, knew him longer. Um, maybe there was people that even didn't care for the man as much as I did, but... I know there was a lot of people that loved him. 
Anyway, um, so the whole point of this episode is to talk about Wayne. I, I uh, As I record this, I haven't even put it out there on the uh, social media ether for other people that knew him, comics, family, otherwise, to be on the podcast. I'm hoping they do. If not, it's going to be me rambling for an hour, and nobody needs that. <laughs> but... Um, so I'm going to put it out. I'm I'm report, recording things in segments, uh, including including this. And uh, I really the the diff, the difficult part for this episode, other than the obvious, I was I actually sent Wayne a message a few weeks ago. Wayne had a thing about the number twenty three. When I was twenty two, I remember sitting in a truck with him. After we'd done a, a show, and he said to me, you ever notice the number 23? I said, what do you mean? He says, you ever notice it? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's like any other number, isn't it? And he's like, no, man. He says, 23, it's everywhere. You know, he got like that. He'd get like that ooga booga thing, right? <laughs> and It's everywhere, man. 23 is everywhere, man. And now he says to me, now that I see it, Kenny sees it, everybody sees it, he says. And now that you're in the gang, you're going to see it. It's Sorry, it just hit me. That was another thing he liked to say to me when I was young. You're in the gang. This is a side, side thought here. You're in the gang. I've always, uh, you know, again, I'm a, I, I feel very lonely inside. Most, if not all of my life, that man put me in a gang. He put me in a group. And uh, uh, and that group, by the way, I know like there's there's members there's that that's that'd be Kenny Robinson, that'd be Mark Walker, that'd be Johnny Guardhouse. There there's there's a bunch in that group. And uh, let me tell you something: when I met those guys, I was in with them because I was in with Wayne. That never happened for me. I was not the popular kid in school. I was not the cool guy in school. I didn't have a lot of friends. I start doing comedy. I'm in a, I, I have friends, I'm, I'm in a group, you know, and these guys, Johnny Guardhouse, the first time I met him was a few months after I met Wayne, I walk into the club to do a spot, same, same kind of deal, and he, he's like, well, uh, yeah, I heard about you from Wayne, come on over here, he sits down, he, he's triple A comic, he's, he's brilliant, I'm in with him, because, um, Wayne, uh, Wayne said I was cool that I was I was good and it's if you knew Wayne again and someone he says that about someone you take you take his word for it because Wayne he loved everybody he gave everyone the time of day but he 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 was probably really only personal and close with with select people as we all are I guess right we all pick who we want to be friends with anyway and uh so when when someone when Wayne said to you this guy's cool this guy's fun, or whatever, you you believed him and you wanted to know that person because Wayne liked him. Uh, anyway, um, back to the whole twenty three thing. So he he said that to me and and goddamn I don't know I'm sure it's just a psychological thing you know don't worry I'm not su- trying to suggest something here about that number twenty three has some magical powers or something. But he said that to me. He said now that you're in the gang. You're going to notice it everywhere. And God damn it, if I don't notice it fucking everywhere. 
even just this weekend, I saw it in the, the movie uh, Captain America Civil War. It was right there, plain as day. And uh, I do. I see it everywhere. Anyway, this is episode 23. And I contacted Wayne a few weeks ago. I sent him a message um, seeing if he would... You know, I've been after him since I started this podcast to, to sit down with me. He's had some health issues, though. So it's been uh, touch and go. And I wasn't sure, um, you know, if it was going to happen. And uh, I, w- I really wanted him to be on episode 23 because it was his, his ep- you know, his number. And I uh, sent a message a few weeks ago, haven't heard back. And I got concerned. And I started asking around and, and nobody had heard anything. Uh, and then I got this news yesterday, and it was actually right after a podcast interview I did with Daryl Din for episode 23. I thought, well, you know, obviously Wayne's, you know, busy, or he's got, uh, he's, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what was going on. And so um, now this episode's going to be about him anyway, and this is going to be episode 23. This is a very long opening, but... Uh, just the way it is guys (laughs) you know if i could i'd spend the next uh 23 episodes talking about wayne uh anyway so um i'm gonna i'm gonna end this now and i don't know if it's gonna the rest of the episode's gonna be just me or if it's gonna be uh some other uh people i'm hoping it is i'm gonna put it out there and and hopefully record some great stories about wayne um i'm not gonna apologize for uh, losing my shit because, well, I said in the beginning, this will be real. And uh, this is as real as it gets. Shut up, you don't even know me. Man, am I having a no-hair day, huh? Wow, is it bald in here or is it just me? I'll tell you. Wow. Apparently I'm not bald, I'm follically challenged. I think phallic's a better word. I look like a penis with ears. Well, I know I do. I was just in the washroom having my pre-show nervous piece. I'm going to come up behind me and start shaking the back of my head. Just think, sir, if you and I put our heads together, we could be Pamela Anderson from Baywatch. Is it just me, or did you ever think, if you choked a Smurf, what color would he turn? <laughs> and if corn oil's made from corn, what the hell's baby oil made from? And who the hell puts the thin ice signs on thin ice? (laughs) Not you. Not me. Think about things like that. You like impressions? Me too. Wish I could do a couple. (laughs) Let's try a couple of these, shall we? Quick impression. A German shepherd. On your sheep, we'll eat the grass. A fruit fly. Buzz, buzz, buzz. 
comedy night, not reality night. <coughs> oh, fool me. Yeah, it didn't ever happen to you. What, am I taking this recycling thing a little too far? My last name's Fleming. <laughs> Should be thankful it isn't Cummings. <laughs> so I don't know if, if uh, a lot of you listening to this knew Wayne or uh, just knew him, his stand-up, or didn't know him at all, and just uh, uh, hearing all this for the first time. So that was him. Uh, you get a sense of uh, how uh, brilliantly funny he was. Just really... Uh, unbelievable comedian i mean his material was was great it was always evolving around what he was going through in his life i mean he had this a lot of standard jokes that he'd been doing many many years and then he twist them and turn them and and into um something it always felt like it was new even if you've heard it before it felt new and he was just so damn good and so damn funny um it's a couple of days now since my emotional breakdown <laughs> was at the top. Uh, thanks for sticking with me, if you're still there. Um, you know, there's just so many things to say uh, about him from my perspective. Um, and uh, I, I don't know where to start or, or end, for that matter. I still don't know how I'm going to end this thing. But anyway, I wanted to play this. I actually uh, I went home and found a whole bunch of tapes that uh, like cassette tapes not videotapes but actual cassette tapes from you know a lot of comics they record their sets so that they can hear it back hear what jokes work and what jokes didn't work and Wayne would take me around with them a lot and let me open for him and do little opening spots so I would obviously want to record my sets find out what worked and didn't work and a couple of times he let me just record him just I guess just for posterity just to keep it on tape and I found some tapes from July 1998 at the Niagara Falls Yuck Yucks and so I dug them up the audio isn't the greatest but you can still hear them and it's definitely worth listening and and I just it was funny because I I put the first tape in I hit play and right off the bat this really kind of funny moment uh, that I got to share with him because I watch him just in awe and I, I want to work with him. I want to act with him. I want to be on a stage with him. I want to do everything. And so <laughs> this little moment that I'm going to play for you now uh, just really spoke to me and, and choked me up when I heard it. It was a strange combination of, of tears of joy and tears of sadness. So I'm going to play that for you now. Here we go. This is uh, Wayne and I, 1998, July Niagara Falls and the bit's going to go on I'm going to let it play uh, because this is one of my favorite bits he does as well so here give this a listen you imagine being stopped by the cops for rolling a simple little thing called a stop sign ever happened to anybody what are you all angels you're all a stop sign it's not exactly you know you don't go to jail for 20 years or anything but I forgot my sunglasses. <laughs> Can you, well, are they back there? Uh, See how professional I am, folks? Yeah, they are. Could you bring them up to me, sir, please? Why, thank you so much. Good, sir. Just sort of chuck them or throw them. 
my gay lover. Oh, he's fresh. Little guy like me, ooh, I rock him and break his pelvis every night. It's comedy night, folks, not reality night. Thanks, Will. But I got stopped by the cops for rolling a stop sign, which is basically what I'm trying to tell you, and I didn't think it was such a big deal. Cop had an attitude. Gee, that's a shock, huh? He had an attitude like Jack Nicholson. That's what pissed me off. I'll share it with you. It's something like this. Seems to be a problem, officer. so hard to pick which bits to play for you because he had so much material and it's all so good and so interesting fun and just hysterical i did put it out there for people to send into the podcast those that knew him uh comics or otherwise and i did hear from a couple of people who wanted me to add some stuff in so here's the first one this is simon rakoff who has known wayne a very long time he's also an, an extremely funny comedian I recommend going to see him, and here's what Simon had to say. Hi, this is Simon Rakoff. I remember Wayne Fleming so well from particularly when I was a very young teenage comic starting out, and he was sort of the established guy. I mean, we think of ourselves as the first wave of comedians because of the comedy club scene, but before there were even comedy clubs, Wayne and his ilk were out there in the burlesque clubs and bars and everywhere just doing their acts and and really starting the comedy scene in Canada. As a young comedian, he was so good to me. He used to book me up in uh, Barrie. He had two different clubs at two different times. And even though I was inexperienced, he was always very encouraging and supportive and would bring me up there. I remember doing weekends with him and Gary David and Frenchie McFarlane, the old guard, where I was, you know, a 19-year-old, just amazed at these elderly juvenile delinquents because they were such fun-loving hard-drinking guys who really just had this this impish spirit about them that was really a, a love of the craft before there was any business to be had in it. I also remember that uh, he was very supportive on uh, of Jim Carrey when he was starting out, and we used to book uh, gigs together with uh, Jim and Wayne as well, and I miss Wayne tremendously. He had a real a real lust for life, and I'm glad that he lived the life he did and and enjoyed it as much as he did he will be missed okay that was simon thank you so much simon for sending that in simon rakoff 
go see him perform too. He's very, very funny. Uh, another uh, comic who, who sent something in was Paul Haywood, who's been on the show before, and he wanted to say something, some nice things about Wayne. So here, here's uh, Paul talking about Wayne. I'll always remember that first time I saw Wayne at the Yorkville Club. I was 17. My mind was made up as to what I was going to do with my life. I knew it would be stand-up comedy. I knew that um, I didn't know much. And um, Wayne came on the stage. All my heroes were on that show, actually. Kenny and Wayne and everybody. Um, Wayne was electric. He sounded just like Jack Nicholson. I couldn't believe it. He blew my mind um, he was magical, and, um, people he had helped, uh, had made it, and, uh, that, of course, is, I'm talking about Jim. Years later, um, I was on Fast Track and got off stage and was greeted by Wayne, and was told by him that I could call him Wayner, and I felt that I had started to do something right in comedy, and, um, I just never forgot it. He was uh, a generous, friendly, supportive man. And, um, yeah, we loved him. Years later, in 1997, when he turned 50, I was at Kenny's room, and Wayne showed up, and he had said that Jim had bought, bought him this new car, and we all went up to look at it and stared at the car. This was from Jim. We couldn't believe it, and um, he was just a—he was just our uncle, and uh, we're gonna miss him. I'd just like to say thanks, Wayne, for everything, and I paid attention. Thank you, sir. Nice job, uh, Paul Haywood. Another. Really funny guy. I mean, Wayne just brought out the funny in everybody and brought out, uh, more importantly, bring out the funny, brought out the confidence, obviously. I mean, it's funny how their stories are kind of similar to mine. You know, you meet the guy, he puts his arm around you, tells you it's everything's going to be okay, just do your thing. And uh, great uh, memories. Um, <laughs> Flemeries. Memories about Wayne Fleming. Flemeries. So uh, here's another Flemering. <laughs> Flemery. Uh, my mom wanted to say something, and here that is. You knew Wayne almost as long as I did. Yes, and I missed the hell out of him already. I just, I, I can't believe this day. Um, when I first met Wayne, he couldn't say enough about you, and and I was so impressed with the way he took you under his wing and and just treated you with so much respect and 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 me as well he was always so kind to me and 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 of course laugh my goodness i mean the whole rindersella and uh, his whole routine every time i saw him i i just get that gut laugh where i could not stop laughing and then it stays with you when you leave and when you think about him and and so I look forward to listening to all the tapes and the and remembering remembering him because he was a great man. He loved his his family and uh, and he loved the people he worked with and on stage and off and uh, always always had such nice things to say about uh, about uh, everyone. But 
for me it it's it's just it was just amazing to see how he took my son and made him feel welcome and just just encouraged him to stay with it and continue and follow his dream and and he will he, he will be missed i will miss him dearly and wayne if you're listening i never ever ever thought that you looked like a penis with ears you're the only one good night <laughs> Do you do you have a favorite joke of his? Like was it was it the Rindersella? The Rindersella. Yeah. There's so many. I mean, his whole routine is brilliant. Yeah. Um um I can't even think right now. It's it's shocking. I'm still really just in shock and yeah. and I know everyone is. It's anyone who ever knew him, uh even whether it was for 5 minutes or 5 years or 5 months, he's just he leaves an impression that you'll never forget. And I'm glad that that you got to know him and that you um, had the relationship with him. And I think it's wonderful. He's a great man. And and this episode is so important to you and to all of us. Um, so we'll never forget him. No. We love him, and uh, we'll see him again mm-hmm. someday. That's all I got to say. That was a very dark thought. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Well, we will. We'll all be together again. There'll be a comedy club up there somewhere. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, uh, but there's so many of his jokes. I mean, my, I throw a word out at me. I can't, I can't think of, of, of all of them. We were Fruit just flies. listening. <laughs> buzz, 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 buzz. Yes. No. He, and it's, and, but the thing is when you're listening to his routine on like a tape, it's wonderful, but when you put those expressions into it, those facial expressions, yeah. nobody could do them That's like him. That's the only part like about him. doing the this audio. Is uh, you don't, you way. can't. Yeah. You know, but if you but. go on his fan page and yeah, and watch his videos, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be missed, and there won't be another Wayne. Nope. That's for sure. So, yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Anything else? Thank you. Want you. If it wasn't for you, I would never have met him. So. Yeah. That's and if awesome. it wasn't for you. And we wouldn't have had all those Chinese food dinners. Oh, yeah. You know, after well, I, I know. It was, it I don't was remember ever eating so much Chinese food. I know. As when we met Wayne. Yeah. Like, and different God. things. We'd always go to these different places. And yeah. Right and after the shows, we'd right go out for dinner. Show. and Yeah. And then I remember one time you guys went out for dinner and I wasn't invited. Well, what was that about? I don't know, like, but I just remember crow. he... He, he, we, we finished the show and, uh, or I, like I was doing a spot and he finished the show and he's, <laughs> and I, he said, what's going on? He says, it's dinner time. And I said, oh, okay. He says, not for you. I'm going out with your mom. And mm-hmm. I said, why? He says, talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Uh, oh, okay. my goodness. Yeah. And then you guys went and had a conversation. Yeah. About me. I think he was just trying to, I, I remember you telling me about it and I think it was just, he was trying to sort of, because you were he. I think he picked up that you were a little nervous just because you knew this industry is full of a lot of you know, I, all I was stuff, drugs, alcohol, and all that. Yeah, and I think well, he I was just to, being a mom, right? Yeah, and, and, and he, he wanted, wanted to, to reassure me. Yeah, that like, he had on, your back come and on. that he. Yeah, I mean, like, just think of that. Like the guy took. He just finished doing a show. It's like eleven, eleven thirty at night. Yeah. Instead of getting in his truck and going home. Yeah, he's. I'm gonna take your mom 
out. And I know comics are like, that is not why he took your mom out, Will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was, and I know. Because no, he was very. He's classy. He was a he's classy man, and he was a gentleman. And and he and he said in all sincerity he just wanted to make sure that I was comfortable, that knowing that he was going to um, make sure that you were okay. Mm-hmm. And I and sa- he did and he did. I Absolutely. remember him telling me. I, re- I remember him yeah. telling me. Um, he always told me not to worry. He I remember s- he uh, he was out back of the club once and he was smoking a joint, which he he didn't do that often no, at least didn't. around me. Mm-mm. So it was very rare that I would see him, but I, I remember I walk around, I, I went out back, and he's standing there with another comic, smoking a joint. He says to me, um, do you want some of this? And I went, no, no. And he says, right answer. Yeah. And he got dead serious, <laughs> and he says, if I ever catch you with this or anything, any other drug, I'm going to break your legs. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. You stay away from this shit, he yeah. says. I remember, and then I said too. to him, "But you're smoking." And he said, "Don't argue with me." Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was, it was funny. He was like a dad. You yeah, know? and I remember him just. I think before we left that night, he said, "The one thing that I'm going to ask you for is your phone number." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> and he goes, "Seriously?" He said, "I need to have your phone number because I need to know how to get a hold of you if if I ever need to for you know for your sake." Yeah, I wanted to make sure that's that smooth, Wayne. That's smooth, said, Wayne. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So I gave him my business card. <laughs> Even I'm card. not buying that. <laughs> I gave him my business card, <laughs> and which had my work number on it. He said, uh, "So do you? Can I write your number on the back?" And I'm like, "Whatever." So, but no, I knew. You know what? He yeah, he yeah he, was... he liked to joke around about it, but yeah, no, he had your back, and and you know what? He had mine too. Yep. A lot of times, like we went to Niagara Falls that one time and some guy was trying to be smart and he just, yeah, he always had our backs. And I I think he was like that with just about everybody he was with. Yeah, he was. I don't know a lot of people. Sorry? No, I've never heard anything negative about him. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing. Yep. There we go. I'm glad that that you're doing this. I think it's great. Thank you. Well, it's not just about m- me. It's about all everyone else, and and uh, kind of talking about the man. But yeah. Anyway, thank you. But it is twenty three. It's twenty three. That's right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks. No, there was never anything about between mom and Wayne, but uh, they were good friends. They 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 were very cool. It was very cool to watch watch them just hit it off and talk about things which is kind of nice i guess i don't know i not a lot of people have that i guess in this industry where their parent gets so involved she was and everybody liked her including wayne and she liked everybody including wayne uh so the last person uh, i'm i'm having on to to talk about wayne is mark walker who again has been on the show again is a brilliant comedian and like me was um very close with wayne they were uh, they known known each other a long long time. In fact, the whole reason I'm friends with Mark and know Mark so well is because of Wayne. Like I said uh, before my opening, I got to know Johnny Guardhouse and everything really well. And this and 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 Mark was another uh, guy who was kind of like a disciple of Wayne, I guess. And uh, uh, just we just took a liking to each other. So we sat down and we we talked about Wayne, and here that is. 
Any coke will do. <laughs> you rockin' fight. <laughs> you know what? I Actually, this is the other thing I meant to tell you the other day. Uh, one of your bits has forever changed for me now. Which one is that? It's the one. Uh, it's not about Flem. It's about Gretzky. It's the one where you do after uh, he got traded to the LA Kings. Oh, yeah. And you go, fuck you. Wayne is gone. And oh, I'm like, shit, yeah. That's changed for me now. <laughs> no. Well, thanks for putting that in there. Now that's uh, you, you know what I actually. It's been nothing but it's been nothing but uh, you know, for the last two days, just moments and just things that will be forever different. I wasn't gonna tell you that, but I'm then glad I you did. What's that? I'm glad you did. Well, no, I did too because I wasn't going to, and then I had the thought of, but one day he's gonna be on stage and give that bit, and it might. It might throw you off. Yeah. Well, now it's uh, now you th- you thought I sold it on <laughs> on my episode of comedy. Now, <laughs> wait till you oh, see yeah. it next time. <laughs> Back to you, fuckers. <laughs> well, just because when when you told me, you were the one that broke the news to me. Yeah, I um, I just didn't want you to find out on the internet like I did. Like I'm Facebook friends with Todd Fleming, his son. Yeah, and it just popped up. I was talking to Darren. Darren was getting ready for a trip somewhere, and it just came up. And I just uh, I felt the wash come over me, and I just went, "Oh no, oh no, oh no!" And Darren's like, "What, what, what?" And I said, "I just got a post from Todd Fleming. He saying rest in peace, Dad." And and then then Darren was like, "Oh no, oh no, oh no!" And yeah, and there we go. And um. And uh, here we are talking about him, and here we are talking about, uh, and like, um, I sort of feel, especially now, it just hit me as we talk about him, I feel the way same way Billy Crystal did when he honored Robin Williams um, at uh, at that whatever show, whatever show that was, uh, was it the... Uh, Emmys? I think it was the Emmys. Yeah, or the uh, might have been the Golden Globes. I can't remember. I think it might. Well, whatever it was, yeah. And he said, uh, you know, he goes, I feel so weird referring to him in the past tense because he just seemed ever-present and, you know, not going away. And uh, that's the thing about Wayne. I mean, he just always, whatever he dealt with, he always came back from. You know, there was a, they come back from an aneurysm. He come back from a heart attack. He came back from crushed relationships he came back you know and he would always find another way to redefine himself there were so many times people even wrote him off as a stand-up and he found new energy i mean when he came back from his aneurysm and started talking about his aneurysm and the drugs and the stuff that he got and all of a sudden it was an entirely different wayne uh you know not the wayne for that impacted us in the 80s and 90s but more of a statesman you know um but still with that charisma and that that ability to communicate and, you know, he just because uh, there were times where I think all comics, if you've been at it any amount of time and keep at it, I think you waver sometimes and, and life will distract you. Yeah. And, you know, Wayne had a lot on his plate <laughs> on many, many yeah. different, many, many different points of oh, his yeah. life. Um, but he always found a way to weather a storm and, you know, and, and, and come back redefined as a human and a performer. And that's why it's like I, it, it's it's his impacting to me is when my my father passed because i feel the same way about wayne that i felt about my dad if there was ever a guy that was going to figure a way out of this death thing <laughs> it was going to be them it was going to be wayne or it was going to be dead and i still half expect you know boom 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 what you crying for thanks <laughs> you know like he's going to be on the other door i guess you really do miss me 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I really do. I mean, I always thought, you know, and and and, and maybe that's, you know, I've always I've always been like to get, you know, I'm turning into uh, who was the guy from uh, plays the lead singer? No, the guy's the lead singer in Stillwater because uh, there was Russell Hammond and then there was uh, whoever the the lead singer was who was the uh, self-absorbed asshole. You know, not, not to make this a me thing, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I've always been conscious of my own mortality at an early age, but. Uh, but you know to see, I mean, this is the first headliner I ever saw. Yep. And uh, he used to do a chunk of Rendersella, and like I said, I, I said in my original Facebook post, um, he followed over an hour of wall-to-wall laughs. Yeah. Wall-to-wall laughs. Larry Horowitz was the host, and he's a headliner, and uh, Jeremy Hotz was a headliner as well. He was the middle act. And that's back when acts did a little bit longer then. Uh, shows were more two hours plus than 90 minutes now. And these guys, it was uh, Halifax, the Lord Nelson Beverage Room, the LBR as we called it, on uh, Spring Garden Road in the Lord Nelson Hotel. And so, and this crowd was ready to go, and, and Larry got him from line one and didn't let him go. Mm-hmm. And then Jeremy gets up there and does what Jeremy did. It was different then. Jerry, Jeremy was a lot more animated. He kind of bounced around. He had the long, we used to call it the Doug Henning hair. He had the long curlier hair. But he had a, he had a closer bit that would just blow the roof off the joint. And, uh, and of course, I knew all we knew about Wayne because I was a fan of Jim Carrey's. And then and my buddy Mike, who was very business, show business, stand-up savvy, said, well, Wayne's the architect of Jim Carrey, you know, like uh, – so I knew about Wayne years before I met him. So, and I remember watching this hour and not knowing much about comedy. I go, I go, man, he's going to be have to be something to follow all of this. And guess what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because back then the version of Rindersella he did, uh, and he dropped it somewhere around the early to mid '90s. But he does this thing where, uh, to preface it, you know, to paraphrase it, basically the Cinderella goes to the, the uh, goes to the the ball. And she sees uh, the Pransom Hints, handsome prince, dancing with one of the other sad blisters, and she and she goes, uh, she goes, it's going to be a, a shortened version of it. He goes, he goes, uh, Pransom Hints, you pig brick. <laughs> <laughs> I come all this walking fade of the fancy fall to get uh, you know a, a dancey fest and this, and he says it real fast, and it ends with, now what the huck is going on? <laughs> and it gets like a big laugh. And at one point, someone someone in the crowd yells, faster. And whenever Kenny and him worked together, Kenny would go, faster, yeah. like that. And then Wayne goes, and then Wayne does the, and he takes the, and he would take the breath, and then he did that same bit faster. I and remember that's the that. first standing ovation I saw him get. Yeah. And that was in the middle of Rendersella. They yeah. got up and applaud. They stood. Everyone just stood. Yeah. It was like a wave. I saw that a couple times. So and it was yeah. usually a comic in the back. Like, Faster. But once in a while yeah. an audience. No, member. it was it was it was opening night of the Halifax Yuck Yucks in the in the fall of eighty uh, six and somebody yelled, Do it faster and Wayne would just like he did the and flips them <laughs> off, right? <laughs> and uh, but then he go, then he goes, Okay, here we go, render Silla faster and then uh and then he did it and then and, and, and the the place just got up. I mean I was up and then and then he then they settle down again, and then you could hear a pin drop, and he does the rest of Rindersella, and when he says from inside my heart and not my head, yeah, boom, they're up again, yeah, and an encore, and it's like, uh, and I I've, I've been in the same room 
watching a lot of people perform live. I mean, I've seen Lewis Black perform live. I've seen some. I saw Dennis Leary do the No Cure for Cancer tour. The and, and none of that's impacted. You've seen me. Robin Williams. I, I was just gonna. I was gonna kind of save that one for the end. But oh, yeah, I mean, shit, I saw, I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. But yeah, Robin Williams, who we both know what he meant to both of us. I saw him in the room live. And nothing beats seeing live now. I mean, it's like YouTube, and I know the business has changed, but I just can't impress upon anyone enough that if you haven't seen comedy live, you haven't lived it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Richard Pryor, you know, the live in concert or wanted album, uh, however, you know, you want it. And that's, that's pretty much what I would say the instructional video of what a stand-up should be or what an, a comic or an artist should be. And even that, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle, I've seen in person. Yeah. Um, nothing, nothing impacted me, uh, like Wayne that that night. Yep. Nothing, and I don't think nothing ever will. There's only two guys, and we had this conversation just walking down the sidewalk, um, before we started this. But uh, Wayne and Kenny are the only guys like that. They're just we used to call them barn burners or killers or snipers or you know gunslingers or whatever. But they were the gunslingers. In the era of gunslingers, Kenny Robinson, Kenny yeah. and Wayne, yeah. And anytime either one of them came to town, I couldn't sleep. I'd, yeah. be, I'd literally be counting the days on the calendar because Paul would always tell me, Mandel, the manager, and my original mentor, even before Wayne and Gary David and any of those guys, Paul was my first mentor. Sorry, Mike Robinson, my best friend, then Paul. Um. And uh, he, uh, you know, and but and he, I, I told you about. It. He talks like this, and then, and because uh, there's, you know, all the stories about Kenny and Wayne. Like as Kenny said, he referred to them as Butch and Sundance. I mean, they were the they were the bad asses, man. Yeah. And uh, and then I remember when they did the cheek to cheek tour because uh, I'd seen Wayne come through a couple times, and I remember Kenny coming through in uh, January of 1987, and people were lined up uh, like outside the club, down the hall, and into the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. To see him, like he had a rep, you know, and uh, he back then he was called the Raging Bull of stand up. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, Kenny was called the Raging Bull of stand up. That was one of the many handles he had, as well as the fabulous Kenny Robinson. I think Guaranteed to Offend was uh, one of his other slogans. I mean, he was just, you know, he was like comedy's Apollo Creed, man. He had more nicknames, you know, Master of Disaster, you know, <laughs> the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto. <laughs> You know, you got enough nicknames. Hey, patient stallion, we're almost there. But, <laughs> but, um, but these were the two guys, and when they came out together in uh, the summer, it was uh, late spring, early summer of '87, because I'd seen Kenny once, and then I'd seen uh, Wayne twice by then. And uh, I remember Paul Mandel. I remember just coming up the stairs, and there was a little office, which was also the box office, to um, the the Yuck Yucks at that time. That was the second location on Grafton Street. In Halifax, and so they had a funky little restaurant, Forty Second Street downstairs, and and Yucks upstairs, and it was a little tighter club, but it had a better liquor license, and you could stay open later. Halifax had all kinds of weird liquor laws back then. But I walk in, and I sit in the office where Paul Mandel is sitting there, smoking his cigarette, and he's going, "They're coming," <laughs> and I go, "I go, who's coming?" He just goes, "Kenny Robinson and Wayne Fleming," <laughs> and I go. I go, oh, well, what week is Kenny here and what week is Wayne here? And then he looked at me and his eyes gleamed and he grinned his grin. He goes, they're coming together. <laughs> Hide the ice machines. 
<laughs> and uh, it was the Cheek to Cheek tour in uh, 87, uh, 1987. They did posters. I mean, they did everything. Uh, and um, they were coming together, and I didn't realize that they were going to do that. And um, they could have been. The funny thing was is that, you know, as, as, as great as they were individually, they could have been one of the greatest comedy duos I think that ever lived. Mm -hmm. uh, because what they would do is uh, Wayne did his Wayne did his 45 off the top because he would say to me, he goes, he goes, man, I just do my 45, man. Kenny can do whatever the fuck he wants. And Kenny back then was a guy who would do an hour and a half and it would seem like nothing. Yeah. It would go by like a shot. Wow. And it still wasn't enough. He'd still get an encore. There was one time in Kitchener, I remember hearing about it. It was like, it was the stuff of legends, man. People talked comedy like that. If you heard... You just heard things. There was no social media. There was no internet. But you would somehow word would get out that Kenny in uh, Kitchener did about two hours and ten minutes. Holy shit! Got a standing ovation. Wow! And an encore. Man. And um, but you know Kenny would do his thing. Now that particular night, he kept it kept it at a tight hour and fifteen. And what then? It was a Thursday night, of course. I was there the very first night, so it's only one show, so they didn't have to keep it tight. And uh, what they did for the encore was the two of them went on stage and did Q and A. Really? Yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing to see. And just to see the two of them on stage interacting, they were a comedy duo. I mean, yeah. Al and George, uh, Al Ray and, and George Westerholm were the official, you know, sort of comedy duet or duo of the Uck Circuit, and they were gunslingers too i mean they did some stuff that you know i still talk about to this day in fact you know one of the greatest things happened to me in my career just two weeks ago i did uh, i did an alan george sketch with george westerholm and Hyrute, and i'm still can't quite believe it happened but i mean can you just watching the two of them interact and i mean you even saw the uh, the urban honeymooners and the honeymooners thing they did for wayne's comics and then uh, they did another version on after hours kenny robinson's show mm -hmm. on the comedy network i mean you just see that chemistry and to listen to the two of them talk because I, I waited for them to come in and I remember them walking in through the front door and Wayne was always wearing like that funky kind of jacket and he had those round glasses and he always had the ball cap on backwards <laughs> and uh, you know he would he'd always walk in looking up at the ceilings I don't know what it was you know I don't know what what he may have partaken of <laughs> before he walked through the door but uh, you know and they would come in and the two of them they they would get a complimentary meal. So they came in early, and, and Paul told me, they're coming early for dinner on Thursday. Come and join us. And I was just eyes this big, ears this big, just listening to the two of them talk yeah. about stuff. Wow. You know, and I was just, uh, and I'm still like that. Like you even said, you saw it in my face the night of the Ford Follies just a couple of winters ago when uh, it was me, Kenny, and Wayne, uh, you know, just hanging out. And, and I'd watch, and I watched the two of them talk. And I remember the last time we all worked together was uh, – a Don Quartz gig in Oshawa, and we met Wayne there. Like Wayne drove in from Belleville, and then we met Kenny and I met him there. It was a Saturday night, and we're sitting in the in the green room. And again, I'm just the little kid with the big eyes, and, and mm -hmm. Fleming had just had his birthday, and, and uh, Kenny bought him an ear and nose hair trimmer <laughs> for his birthday present. And I'm looking at the two of them, and I'm going. Mm, times have changed. You go, you got to groove yourself, Mr. Flip. <laughs> <laughs> and like Wayne opens it and he's like, Ear nose here, Jimmy. You go, you got to groove yourself, Mr. Flip. Look at your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
I was watching one of the greatest comedy sketches I'll ever see in my life. Just, just the unfold. two of them interacting in a conversation. Yeah. yeah. We went to Tim Hortons, and I'm just, you know, hands on my chin, you know, uh, you know. Yeah. Like the like the like the kitten watching tennis, you know. I uh, just you know. oh yeah, it doesn't go away. I never ever lost it with Wayne, because there's always that moment. Because you get into the moment, and you get into the fun, and you get into the goofiness. Because there wasn't a time you didn't spend a day with either of those guys, either together or separately, or do a show with them. It was always an event. Yeah. Right up until the last time. Still couldn't sleep the night before. It's like, I'm going to hang out with Wayne Fleming. I'm going to hang out with Kenny Robinson. Yeah. And like I said, well, the way I, I grew up in the comedy industry was I, I grew up with the most, and I've said it, my most magnificent dysfunctional family I ever had because Gary David was the father. Uh, Kenny was the big brother. And, and by big brother, you mean that in every sense of the word. He's big. He's a brother. But he's also a big brother, and like he'll put his arm around you and protect you, but he'll also boot you in the butt when he thinks you need one if yeah. you're not doing what you should be as a comic or, or anything like that. And Wayne was that funny, goofy uncle that you always kind of wondered about. Because <laughs> 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 well, anytime he'd leave, he'd go, where's he going and what's he up to? <laughs> Especially when he's walking in, looking at the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man, there's snipers everywhere. <laughs> you're out to get me, We're man. We're not getting out of here, man. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to have what I have because you're out to get me, man. <laughs> they, oh, and, you know, there's uh, – and when Wayne was uh, got sick and couldn't tour anymore, I would do um, – a little bit. I do the bit about smoking marijuana, which is, uh, you know, sort of a nod to him because he used to do some great material about smoking marijuana. Me, I always call myself to this very day the one-hit wonder. I'm more of a glugger than a puffer. That's my deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, you know, when things pop into your mind that you don't, you know, uh, realize is that uh, when I heard that Wayne died on Wednesday, uh, my first thought was, son of a bitch. He bought me my first Jack Daniels. It's his fault. <laughs> and then it, I see his big Stan Laurel face. He's the one. Get him. <laughs> and the other thing I thought was, I go, wouldn't it be amazing if, because, you know, in comedy and in comic lies, we go to some pretty dark places and dark times or even in light times. It's what we do. It's how we express ourselves. But I thought, wouldn't it be hysterical if the next day I died? And then everyone would be going, ah, Walker, always trying to be like Fleming. Because <laughs> I was. The first five I years was me were. trying to be Wayne. Yeah, we all were. I, it wasn't just a matter of trying to copy uh, his style comedically or nothing like that. It was also, I, I feel like, trying to just copy his, his way of being, you know, just that kind of easygoing. Like you said, he kept bouncing back no yeah. matter what, like, threw at him. He was like one of those clowns that you you hit. It's like that old up. song, you know, but the cat came back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or the Terminator, and, you know, it's like, I'm not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, small jokes. Yeah, it's not that he wasn't afraid to make a dark joke or nothing like oh. that. But, but I mean, I don't remember a time I ever saw him, like, like really, really miserable or anything like that. Well, it's the, it's these real moments with Wayne, and, and there are times where you go, you know, was that really organic? Because we were talking about yeah. his comics when he was doing Rinder and said, Dieden behind the whore, and he points, and it happens to be <laughs> the statue the, of like, Madonna. Yeah. Why they would put a religious statue in the backdrop of a comedy <laughs> show. Right. CBC. Yeah. <laughs> we took a pass on SNL. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, 
told Jim Carrey he had three voices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hit the bricks, chiclet head. <laughs> but, um, you know, they... Uh, <laughs> they um, and, and when he did that, and I remember thinking, now, did he plan that or did that happen? And then he said, and you, I remember he you telling me, me again, day. he called you that the next day and said, you ain't going to believe what happened to me, Mo. Yep. And, um, but there are these moments where, you know, we have our armor that goes up, the armor comes down, and Wayne could be very real on stage and then very, because he would talk about the eyes of a woman one time when he was on stage. And he said, yeah. he goes, it's the eyes of the woman. And he goes, and years go by, and, and you know, you don't look like you used to, and she don't look like you used to. And then you lay in bed one night, and and uh, and then uh, you know she rolls, she turns over and looks at you, and you see her eyes again, and you realize that's what you fell in love with the first place, and that's why you're still here, and that's why you'll always be there. And literally, the crowd would go, "Oh, you yeah!" Know, like they would just yeah. swoon, and I would just be swept up in it too. And then he goes, "Well, if that don't get me laid, I don't know yeah, what will." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was so great. It was if like an applause. If that don't get my knob sucked <laughs> every time, yeah. It was just path he takes them down he was such a brilliant guy but this this is, this is wow. what he did to me one time um and it was one again it was one of those times i was working with wayne and, and in my mind i i believe it was the niagara falls original niagara falls club which was I, I you never got to see it well but it was just a thing of beauty it was a huge showroom and uh it was, the stage was very high it was like at least three feet high so you were really kind of cowering over the audience oh wow and to your left or to your right would be uh, the tiered stage. There would be audiences that right there on the level with you. Oh, so it's shit, tiered up really? this way, and then the main level is like three feet down and, and, and a lot of people this way. And in the very far back corner of the club was the service bar and a stand-up bar. For between shows, you could even you know grab a beer, just kind of hang back there. That's where comics always hung, was the stand-up bar with oak, beautiful stuff. The bar was like a double-decker bus that was gutted, and you know it was, mm -hmm. just, a, it was just, again, a magical time. And uh, um, it was early 90s, might have even been 89. I think I think it might have even been 89 because um, I think I might have still even been engaged. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was like Ronnie Howard in a world full of, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> Ronnie Howard hanging out with Led Zeppelin in the 70s. We're like, gosh, fellas, what's that? You know, <laughs> and uh so, so I was, yeah, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty Mayberry, and um, and this is at the point in time where the ice got broken with me and Wayne because I, I, I couldn't talk to him for the first year I lived in Toronto. I was just so intimidated. I was just kind of hello. He didn't. He thought I didn't like him, and I think we talked about this in my original podcast that we did. But um, the one nice thing that my fiance at the time did was she went to him one time, and it was in London, Ontario, when Wayne dropped by to do a set, and she said, "Look, he's he worships you." Yeah, you know he talks about you day and night, and he said you know and all this and stuff. And I after I did a set, he called me over and literally arm around me. He goes, he goes, you know your lady just said you know that uh, you know you were doing all this. He goes, man, get to know me. You're gonna find out I'm as big of a fuck up as you're ever gonna. <laughs> <laughs> and hugs me, and then after that we could just talk. And so it wasn't too long after that where we could really talk one to one. And I had done my set. I was middling, of course. I think Donnie was hosting, so. You know, between between the middle act and the headline act, which was Wayne, there was plenty of time to talk because <laughs> Donnie would just go on forever. And so I walked on stage, and I and I always remember because it's one of those nights because, like I said, the stage is, was way down low, and there was this stunningly beautiful woman, maybe no more than her mid twenties at most, and she was wearing a V cut 
type top and was very blessed in the Chesterel area and she was flaunting it. Like oh, yeah. she had this beautiful face. It was almost like a, it was almost like a Marilyn Monroe type face, you know. And the eyes just popped, and the lips were full and red. And she would and she would laugh and go, "Oh, you know." I was like, "Happy yeah. birthday, Mr. President!" Like she was yeah. working it like huge. And I remember seeing that because, of course, everything in comedy was so new to me then. And I was like, "Well, I better go home and phone the fiance." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but you know, this was happening, and anyway, and uh, it kind of really it was it affected me. And I walk off, and of course, Wayne being Wayne, he's got his arm around me, and he's like, he's going, "Hey, man, every time I see you, brother, it's like leaps and bounds, man. It's like, and more of you is coming out on stage. I can see it, man, man. You're getting yourself out there, man. You're not hiding behind the the tools anymore. You're starting to express. You know, it's it's great, man. And then." He looks at me, he goes, he goes, so you and the fiance good, huh? He goes, You think about kids, Mark Walker? And I go, Yeah, yeah, thinking about kids. And then he just cracks open his soul and says, he goes, he goes, it's tough, Mark Walker. And then he starts talking about how, you know, he goes, uh, I feel like I'm not the father I should be, you know, and there's things that I've missed in all my children's lives that I should have been there for. And uh, I should be a better father, but I can't and I'm away and when I'm there I fuck up. And said, he goes, he goes, but by the grace of God, somebody's smiling on me because they're all better people than me. And I don't know how it happened. It wasn't me. I don't know what I did. But my my sons, my daughters, they're they're all way better people than me. And I'm blessed. Someone's looking out for me. And Donnie introduces him. And then I watched the show and I could just tell because of this pain that he was feeling or whatever. He just put it into his show because every show was special and because he would always he was so self-deprecating. Like, I'd see him annihilate a room, oh, and yeah. he'd walk off, and he'd go, well, fooled him again, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, And yeah. totally dismiss it. You know, but this night, like, there was just that extra little much more into it. And he looked like, you know, he was just, uh, whatever the pain and angst he was feeling, he just put it into that performance, and there was just that much more going on. And even Rindersella was more romantic and more heartfelt. It was like magic. It was like a real fairy tale was being told. And, and then when he hits him with Inside My Heart and Not My Head, Boom, they're on their feet, of course, and they're all this. And I'm standing there, like, literally welled up with tears. Mm-hmm. And he comes over to the backstage area where I am, or that or that serving bar area. <laughs> and uh, I'm getting ready, you know, like, to hug him or whatever. And he just, without a beat, he just walks up to me. He goes, did you see the cadenters on that strand in the front row? Lick! And then just walks away. Ah, <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> You've done the same shit to me. Oh, I, I know. Exactly it, what you're talking it's about. Like, oh, you prick! You brilliantly shattered emotional oh, piece yeah. of stand up. So, so the armor's back up again, Wayne. Yeah, Is that what right. you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. All right, Wayne, ready? Here we go. I'm gonna throw it at you. What? Because I don't think it's on record. Wayne <laughs> as Ebenezer Scrooge. Go. Oh shoot! Yeah. Well, he ruined. <laughs> He ruined Christmas for me. I <laughs> oh, know. Because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Wade's animated face and he makes these bug eyes and does whatever. And the first time I saw him do that or perform live, and I was thinking, man, he's Alistair Sim and Scrooge. Yeah. You know, and then... Uh, so that following Christmas, it's Christmas 86. Now, Wayne was only there in, like, maybe October, November. The club opened in the late fall, even. So Christmas season came up pretty quick, and I'm watching Alistair Sims, The Christmas Carol, on television. And then there's the scene where he first comes to the house, and Jacob Marley is, Scrooge. 
window. And then he kind of, you know, you hear the voice and then he looks in Jacob Marley's face is in the doorknob. And then he has that bug eyed Alistair Sims steps back and has this bug eyed look. And all I can see is my holy fucking Jacob Marley, get out of my doorknob, you fucking cocksucker. And, and Christmas is ruined. <laughs> because of him. I did my, my favorite Christmas movie, you know, done. And the every year, every stole year. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out of my house, Alice, you <laughs> cringe. <laughs> oh, that's There's awesome. all kinds of quiffs and quails out there. <laughs> Taking back my ring. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Christmas, that's ruined. Um, thanks, Wayne. Um, <laughs> and I've told nice. him, I don't know how many times, I go, you, you've ruined my favorite Christmas. <laughs> And I, I actually did that for him a couple of times, you know. And, the, and like I said, the, one of the biggest points of pride I ever had, because we both do impressions, is um, <clears throat> and I could do a Wayne impression. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when Wayne had his aneurysm and we all had uh, the, the benefit uh, gathering for him in Ajax with him and the audience, you know, him and his family and everyone. And uh, I went up and I did, and I said, we all know Wayne is doing, you know, known for doing impressions. And I, well, now I'm going to do a Wayne Fleming impression. And uh, so I did a couple of his bits, you know, where he did Rin Tin Tin, the dog, he'd lift the leg, and he'd go, I don't even get that one, man. You know, and he would, and so I started to do it. And nobody had ever heard me do it in a public forum. So there's a whole bunch of comics, and everybody, it was like, it really was, it was one of those kind of, for a second I felt like, fuck, this is what it's like to be Wayne Fleming. Because they, they were just kind of stunned and, and kabooming. And, and then, uh, of course, you know, my favorite one, I did it just the other night when I was hosting for Shannon. It's like, a German shepherd. Your sheep fell in that class. You know? <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and then I did the Jack Nicholson as the cop bit. And uh, said from inside my heart and not my head, thanks for sticking around, Wayne. Left the stage and I go there and Wayne literally reaches out, grabs me. He's in the audience. He grabs me. It's just this grip, you know, because Wayne had a grip on him. You know, he was a guy's guy. He was, you know. A feller from Upper Muscadabit in Nova Scotia. So he was a, you know, he grabs me and he hauls me in. He goes, he goes. They always say you're you're never anybody until someone does an impression of you, man. He goes, thanks for making me be somebody. <laughs> he goes, and then he he looks at me and he winks. He goes, you do me better than I do me, brother. <laughs> so, wow, you know. So there was that. Um, yeah, but I mean, all these moments, they just, they just flood. Um, like we've, we've, you know, I, I think I said it, we've, we lost Mount Rushmore Wednesday, you know, it's just, and like I said, I took him for granted. You know, I just always thought there's no, you know, we're not losing him. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's never going away. He's always going to be around like he's, you know, yeah. but you know, the, um, you know, uh, there were, there were times where, you know, I had a few checkpoints where I said, you know what, get in on this and, and. You know, and, and, and enjoy every second. And because um, when he had the heart attack back in 2013, uh, it was late summer. It was, yeah, the weather was nice. I remember we drove out. It was very sunny. We went to see him in Kingston General. It's the only time I ever saw somebody in uh, ICU, which was very, and he had grown the scraggly beard. So apparently he didn't use the hair trimmer. <laughs> um, and, um, I was kind of deer in the headlights. I didn't really know what to do. But Kenny went right in there, went right up to him, and 
Then they say, you got to give up them nasty Indian cigarettes you smoke, Mr. Flam. That's what you got to do. And talking to him, and then and then Kenny even said to me, you know, like I said, Big Brother will give you a boot in the ass. He goes, talk to him, man. Talk to him. Come all this way. Talk to him. So I started talking to him, and then we were out, and they, we could go in like one or two at a time, no more than two at a time. And then we were all sort of Todd and Aaron, uh, his, his, uh, his daughter and son, were we were sort of in a common area. And we were going to go to the cafeteria, grab some food, and then head out. And then I was like, could I just maybe slip in a little bit? Because I didn't really feel like, you know, it's okay. I got a few things to say. And he's there with tubes and this and that. And, you know, just, you know, a dozen monitors. You know, it's like very intense. We were do doo do You know, that's all happening. And he's, he was in a, and the, the uh, doctors had put him in an induced coma. Um, and uh, so he was just there. You know, he was, he was out cold. And I'm looking at him, and he's wearing this ratty old hospital gown, you know. And uh, and I go, not yet, you know. I said, not yet, Wayne. There's still a little more to do. Not yet. I said, you can't go. And I look at him in this tattered-up hospital gown, and I just go, <laughs> I said, you can't gut control wearing these rucking fags. Wow. And as soon as I say it, he scrunches up his face and twitches like this, like he doesn't even want to hear his own action. <laughs> 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 like I thought he was gonna come to it. Don't ever do my acme. <laughs> but he just totally scrunched up his face. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh and I'm gonna say this on the record, and this is something I've been thinking about, you know, when I think about what Wayne survived and what Wayne did. Um, because Wayne was given less than a ten percent chance of survival when he had that heart attack. We all thought we were gonna say goodbye. And just, you know, not too many months later, we had that amazing night at the Ford Follies where he took the tickets and hung out and he was walking with the cane and was still pretty weak. But, you know, he was Wayne and he was in the game and he was having laughs. And we went to that Chinese restaurant and we just had a blast. Um, what I think happened was after the heart attack, Wayne gave us the encore. Yeah. He gave us like one more chance to have a a fun day to have a few more laughs to uh, just be goofs again. You know, I really think he just willed himself back to, you know, enjoy a few more moments or let us enjoy a few more moments with him. That's certainly the way I viewed it. I knew, you know, nothing lasts forever. And the C and COPD stands for chronic. We knew he wasn't going to get better, but you know, I mean, that's why if anytime I was even in the vicinity, boy, I'd be, I'd head right to Wayne's house to see if he was there and, and uh, even after, you know, the Ford Follies night, I had quite a few great conversations with him on the phone, uh, a couple of faces to face, you know, like just even a couple of Christmases ago, I got up at like, uh, you know, eight in the morning and brought coffee over and just sat with him for two hours before I had to leave to go to the next gig with Jeff, Jeff McHenry in Belleville. And, and I was very conscious of it, very appreciative of it. And then, I mean, if that ain't the performer being the performer, I don't know what is, you know, he, he did the curtain call. He, he gave us the encore. And I damn sure wasn't going to let that moment go. Yep. So that's the one thing I'll take solace in is that, you know, I didn't take him for granted in the final analysis. And I did, you know, because in just even the little things you see, like they, they had that interview with him when uh, he was playing the comedy nest. And that was, you know, I think before he really got sick because um, he had packed on that weight, you know, because of said he was doing stress eating because of, you know, some of the stuff he was going through. Yeah, but there's one point where he's talking with her, with the the girl he's interviewing, and she, and he and he and he's got that giggle, that sort of <laughs> like that. And I always remember that giggle, man, because that giggle was always there, and it was and the best way to describe it. It's like 
he giggled like that that kid opening his presents Christmas morning, and he was opening the one that he thought was the one he wanted. Yeah, and was gonna get it. And he was gigg- that's how he would giggle, like he was opening that present, going, "I'm gonna get this GI Joe," <laughs> you know. Yeah, and he always had that giggle. He never lost that giggle, and that's why every second with him on stage and off was was an event. You know, and just I've never seen anything like him. I'll never see anything like him again. You know, yep. he's uh, he's he's not our Johnny. He's not, you know, anything else. He's Wayne. He's Wayne Fleming. And uh, that's that's that's. Uh, and again, I mean, one time he hosted one of the first Pride events they had in like the late night, uh, late 80s. And uh, it was at the old downtown. And, uh, you know, Wayne comes up and he, and he does, you know, sort of how we talked about how Dave could be very eloquent. Well, Wayne could be very eloquent when he spoke from the heart, too. And he would actually come in. And he goes, uh, we're thrilled to be part of uh, of the Pride Week and the Pride activities and that shows us for your entertainment. And I just want to say, you know, we as people and human beings, you know, we just we all have our thing, man. And it's, uh, see, my thing is I'm hopelessly addicted to the ladies. That's my thing. And you guys, you know, you're into who you're into. And it's not really a what, it's a who. And we all just, you know, have our thing and we all have our the people we love and 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 want to be with and and that's all that's it's that, so that's a similarity and not a difference and that's all we have to concentrate is that we're all basically the same and not different like this gets a thunderous ovation he's hosting it's right out of the gate to wow. a cold crowd and he gets this thundering ovation and then he goes up and starts to massacre um and uh you know just just and again you know he was just clobbering for 10 minutes and then he did one joke that just kind of laid flat laid an egg and again, you know, he was that crafty. You don't know if he did it on purpose yeah. or not. But when the joke bombed, he looked at them, he flipped the bird, and he went, fags. <laughs> <laughs> the place explodes. <laughs> like he had like a two-minute applause break. Wow. They just went insane. And then he started going into the, you such a fag, you're gay. Like that yeah. whole bit he used to do about that. He goes, yeah. remember when we'd say that? Well, that's the worst thing you could be. And then just, uh, you know, I, 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 you know. Well. I didn't I didn't get to hang out with Sam Kinison in his louder than hell days. You know, I didn't get a lot of stuff. But I got that. And because of that, I swear, man, I'm the luckiest guy that's ever done stand-up. Yep. You know, because of him, because of Kenny, because of uh, Gary David. You know, I just, I mean. I, I, I could, you know, I could talk for days. Yeah. I certainly thought about it for days. And every time it's a different memory. Yeah. A different goofy thing that happened, you know, a different, you know, like uh, um, I'll, I'll do this one last thing because um, we, you know, we I just, just to get it on record because, you know, how I see he wasn't really he wasn't really a, I don't know if what his official religion was. I mean, I know when he was younger, all the kids went to church and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um I know, you know, religion's very big in the East where he grew up, so I don't know if he was really Anglican or whatever it was. But I'm not sure. I don't know what his uh, heritage religion was, but he was very spiritual and believed in the other yeah. dimension and believed in forces greater than us yeah. guiding us places, as, or as he would call it, you know, Ooga Booga, mm-hmm. like Ooga Booga stories. And he would always say to me, you know, like, there's no better feeling than coming home to this message. And he'd go, hey, man, it's me. I got Ooga Booga story for you. Call me. <laughs> and then, you know, he would tell you something <laughs> oh, that yeah. would make the Blow hair just, yeah. you know. And um, a couple of years ago when I did my, I call it my pilgrimage to the to my holy land, you know, I went to Graceland for the 
you know, because I did, I did, it was my fifth, the year of my 50th birthday. I was at my 50th in January, but that summer I went to LA and performed at the comedy store and then did a couple of days in Vegas. And then I, I figured it had to end in Memphis. Sure. With, uh, you know, and I had to do that one on my own. Uh, LA and Vegas, I was with friends you know we had a yeah. blast like darren and darren frost and his wife like uh, man you'll you'll never have better traveling companions than them like we just had a blast and uh but i i knew it was kind of like my my pilgrimage to mecca you know like i've been waiting my whole life to go and and there i was like staying across the street from elvis presley's house and uh there was so i i told uh, this happened to me and i told wayne this story and I called him up, and of course, this is when you know Wayne didn't sound like Wayne because he had come out of, uh, you know, the the bad heart thing, and the tubes in his throat affected his voice. And he would go, "Hey, man, how you doing?" And it was like this very breathy, you know. So it wasn't really Wayne, you know, that voice that we all knew. Uh, and but sometimes, you know, it was tougher. Some days were tougher than others for him to talk. But when it was good, he would like to talk. And then I actually got to say to him for the first time, I said, "I got a no good book of story. Do you want to yeah. hear?" Okay, man, let's hear it. And uh, so then I, I told him a story about uh, there's a convenience store right next door to the hotel I was staying or the motel I was staying at across the street from Graceland. I was at the Days Inn, which used to be the Elvis Presley Motor. And then there was this convenience store. And I was just out there. I had just toured Graceland. That was my last night in town. And I had been to Sun Records uh, the day before. You know, I just walked around. I, I saw things. I uh, met beautiful people everywhere I went. It was like. Because Graceland's in the black part of uh, Memphis. And one time, I, my first day, I said, I got to go for a jog on Elvis Presley Boulevard because Graceland Street was named Elvis Presley Boulevard while Elvis was alive. I mean, he was, uh, you know, they named the street after him. And I go for this jog, and, and these two old black guys in a, in a pickup truck, you know, I think they were landscapers because there was a lawnmower sticking out of the back. I'm going for the run, and all of a sudden, you just hear, ow, ow, slow down, white boy, you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like stuff like that would happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so all these great memories. So the last night I'm there and it's like uh, twilight. Uh, not quite twilight. It's you know, still pretty much in the afternoon. I just come back from Graceland. I had my tank top on and, and whatever, and I was walking around. And I was going to this convenience store, and then I was uh, sidetracked by this. It was actually a, a car that was close to about the same type of car that my, my dad owned, like a mid-'70s Chevrolet Impala, like a, one of those big V8 monsters from mm -hmm. the 70s. You see a lot of classic cars down south. And so I was w looking at it, and out of nowhere, I just hear this voice. and just, Mark, Mark, hey, Mark. And I turn around, and there's this older black guy with kind of a bowler hat. And he goes, Mark, is that you? And I'm like, yeah, and it's just me and him. And, like, when I was looking there, he wasn't there a second ago. I look at the car, and then all of a sudden he's, like, standing right in the middle yeah. of the thing. And he goes, he goes, I ain't seen you in a while. Mark, how you doing? You doing, you doing good. You look good, Mark. He goes, I haven't seen you since a couple of years ago. Remember, we were sitting under the tree. And I'm, like, really starting to freak. And I go, and I walk up to him, and he's got, like, these hazel luminous brown eyes you know that just and they, they 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 are illuminating and it's like they look into your soul right he's got this bowler in the stubble and uh, i look at him i go i'm i'm i said my name's mark sir but i don't i don't think we ever met this is my first trip to uh to uh memphis and he looked at me and he just goes yeah it was you remember we were sitting under that tree a couple of years ago you was all messed up about some woman and i was two years ago in 2012 i i sort of dipped my toes back into the relationship waters and it didn't 
pan out and I was pretty busted up about it. And he goes, he goes, you was busted up about some girl two years ago, but he goes, oh, look at you now. You looking good, man. You lost some weight, which I had. And uh, he goes, you got your hair all done up nice, man. You taking care of yourself. You got it figured out. You're doing all right. And I go, I go, what's your name, sir? He goes, my name is Bay. I said, Bay, like sitting on the dock of, and he points at me, he goes, wasting time. <laughs> and so I said, nobody's going to believe this. And I said, so I, I said, can we get a picture together, Bay? And I took a selfie with me and Bay. And uh, he goes, well, I'm glad you're doing good, Mark. And I said to Bay, I said, look, I'm heading out of town tomorrow. And I said, I might not see you for a while. Is there anything I can do for you right now, Bay? Can I get you something? And he, all he wanted was a beer, just one can of beer, because you could buy beer at the convenience store, and a couple of bucks for smoke. So I gave him a couple of bucks, and I bought him a beer, and sent him on his way. So I tell this whole story to Wayne as I just told it to you. And so and then he then he walked away, and I said, I now believe that uh, spirits live in Memphis, Tennessee. And then there's quiet on the end of the phone, and then I go, Was that ooga booga enough for you? And then this is what this is the response. I just got. Man, my hair standing up in the back of my neck like a porcupine. You rock. <laughs> wow, <coughs> amazing. Yeah, and uh, Wayne's one of the other one of the reasons. Like Bay was one of those guys where I said, "Okay, angels walk the earth," and Wayne was one of those guys that made me feel angels walk the earth too. There was just something bigger than him around him. And you just felt that energy. Like, I, I don't put much into auras and luminism and all that sort of stuff, but I saw it with him. Yeah. I mean, constantly saw stuff with him. I mean, he survived things he shouldn't have survived. He did things he shouldn't have done. Every time you wrote him off, he came back. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. uh, that's why, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the Obi-Wan thing now. He's I, I'm going to expect to see some going to be tested in some sort of situation, and his voice is going to come in just like he's standing next to me. And he's like, use the force, you fag. <laughs> 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 or something. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I know he's – I haven't seen the number 23 everywhere. Some, of the, some people have been seeing it everywhere right when, you know, since he passed. I haven't seen that yet. Have, Me yeah. and him never had that 23 thing. I know you've had it with him. Uh, Kenny's most definitely had it with him, and a lot of people have had it with him. Yep. Um, I the twenty three and me thing with him is not our thing, mm -hmm. but something's gonna like something's gonna come. Thing. Something Mogabugas are gonna come. Oh hell yeah! And I hope I'm gonna be ready for it. But I mean, it's you know, it's uh, and again, it's not until somebody goes you realize just how much of them carries with you. You yeah. know, like like uh, you know, just a thought in your head will just be like, oh, that's a Wayne thing, or you know, yeah. So it's it's. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, then again, I could talk for another seven hours about yeah. them. But, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of people saying a lot of things. So I think I got, you know, sort of what I'd like to have on yeah, on record for right now. God knows oh, yeah. uh, how many years from now we'll sit down and talk again. We'll Why sit not? down and talk again. We have can talk and we'll sit around and talk sure. again tomorrow, you know. But uh, Well, thanks, Mark. Oh, well, thank you, man. Uh, thanks so much to Mark for that. He... <laughs> You know, that was a lot of fun to just uh, talk to him. We we actually spent a few days together. Mark, as I said, um, in talking with him, was the one that broke the news to me. And uh, and we we just kind of hung out for a few days and talked. It's hard, you know, when you experience, um, when someone dies. And uh, I, for me, at least, I don't know what to do. I don't know. 
who I want to see. I want to be alone, but I don't. It's it's a weird thing. And uh, Mark was there for me, and I was I got to be there for him. And I guess that's what it's all about. Um, Wayne um, Wayne was good at bringing people together, and you know. I guess I've I've kind of canonized him a little bit, maybe, over the years, and maybe in this podcast. I mean, obviously, everybody's got flaws, uh, but he uh, he was exceptional to me. Um, I, I I can safely say my life would be worse off without him. I'd be a different person in in a worse way. I, I wouldn't be as confident. I wouldn't believe in myself as much. I know I said all that in the beginning, but I just it needs to be said again for me. I just I'm saying this for me. If you're out there and you're listening to this, anyone who's listening to this who is any sort of a creative being, you know how important it is to have people believe in you and believe in your work. Um, and even more important to to get you to believe in those things as well. And uh um, I hope you have someone like that. And if you don't, I hope you can be that for yourself. Cause that's really what Wayne taught me was you got to believe in yourself, man. He would say, you got to believe in yourself. You got to just keep going and, and tell with what other people say, just keep working. Don't give up. Don't stop. I gave up for a number of years and I felt like I disappointed him. But we got to chat a lot in the last few uh, years, and I know that's not true. I'm very lucky that he uh, and I got to talk. Um, I don't want to end this, <laughs> but I have to, obviously. Uh, if any of his family and friends are listening to this, you know, some of you, again, may have been closer to him, knew him longer. Uh, I'm right there with you. Um, and anyone who's listening to this who didn't know him, I hope I did a decent job honoring him and letting you get a, um, I mean, really, it's just a glimpse into uh, what kind of man this Wayne was and, and what kind of comic he was and what kind of inspiration he was. There's just not enough time to say what I want to say and uh, there's frankly not enough brain energy to say and there's not enough ex emotions to express what I want. But I did my best and I know if Wayner was sitting next to me, he would tell me... Uh, you did good. You did good, kid. So, <laughs> um, I'm going to say thank you so much to uh, Simon and Paul and Mark and my mom for saying what they did. And I also want to say thanks to all the friends of mine who met Wayne over the years and sent me messages on Facebook and everything when the news broke. I mean, it's amazing the effect he had on people, even friends of mine that hadn't seen him. only saw him once. Saw him like 15 years ago. And they remember it vividly. That shows you the impact that he had. 
on people uh, comedically. And a lot of them, like, you know, I had uh, my one friend Darren telling me about <laughs> the conversation we were having, hanging out with him for two years, two hours after the show was over. And he had this little red car and he just took off like it was a NASCAR driver and just like blew the engine, basically. <laughs> and I'd completely forgotten about that. But um, so thanks, guys, for uh, uh, reminding me of a lot of the flemeries that I may have sort of misplaced in my brain, even though I remember quite a lot. Um, I know uh, some other comics and some other people, uh, I reached out to them. And, you know, this is still raw for everybody. Everybody grieves in their own ways. But um, if uh, anybody who's listening to this does want to send something in, um, I'll play it on the next show. Or, you know what, I'll make a second part of this. Why not? Uh, Again, (laughs) I don't know how you kind of sum it all up in one episode. So I I have no problem doing a second one. Anyway, um, there is a lot of comments too made about uh, Wayne's Rinder celibate. So this was something he closed um, many, 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 many shows with and, and became quite well known for. So I'm going to go out on that bit. Uh, this is Wayne doing Rinder Sella. And uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing this with me, if you're listening. Um, I, I don't really know how to stop talking about my friend um i probably won't probably in the upcoming episodes it'll pop up again um and uh i'm okay with that i hope you're okay with that and i'm i'm all right because i know uh not just because he'd want me to be but because he he taught me how to be okay so um thank you Wayne uh (laughs) don't worry people I'm not gonna put you through this again (laughs) if he was sitting right next to me right now he would say to cry about me is to fuck me don't ever fuck me Tony don't ever fuck me Tony (laughs) line from Scarface spend a weekend in Windsor with him doing stand up he would not stop saying that line. Anything. We go to get food. The waitress comes, says, would you like a, a drink? To give me a drink is to fuck me. Don't ever fuck me, Tony. So, uh, yeah, I won't do that. Um, and uh, here he is to close the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Wayne Fleming. This is what I do for a living. Is that a cool thing or what, man? You know? I used to get kicked out of class for being a jerk, and now I get paid for it. <laughs> but when I was a kid in school, I was a little wimp, same size I am now. And I had a, I had a speaking disorder called dyslexia. Do you all know what that is? So the only way I could, you know, deal with this was I thought, I'm dyslexic. I'm seeing the words in reverse. Why not say them in reverse? See if it freaks these guys out. Because they go, hey, here comes that little penis with ears. <laughs> Which is weird, because I don't remember going to school in the South. <laughs> well, maybe I did. So, whenever I perform, and even tonight, I said to, you know, the director, and up in the booth there, I said, I don't know how much time I'm going to do, because, you know, 
I can only talk a certain way for so long, and then, boy, oh boy, I started balking tackwards, and you wouldn't buck and believe it, Huck and Fabulous. <laughs> Wait a muck and fin it, I'm duck and fooing it. <laughs> well, here, guck and foes, I don't shiv a git, no pruck and fobble. <laughs> what I want to do is tell you a little terry fail, or a fairy tale, about a beautiful girl, a beautiful girl, named Rindusella or Cinderella. Now, I'll start out by saying, runts upon a time in a corn country lived a pransome hints and a cansy fassel and one to throw a bancy fall. <laughs> so he invited all the reeple from piles around. That included Rinda Seller, a mugly other, and her three sad blisters. <laughs> Two of which were real up and fugly. <laughs> Show knit, I'm talking felling you. One of them was so I can fugly shit, this great big walking fort and they're knocking post. Show knit, her face would mag a gagget. So psych I led, they're getting all dressed to go to the Bansy Falls, soul of a udden. <coughs> Rinder Sella's mug the other said to Rinder Sella, you're got knowing. She said, yuck foo, I am. He said, you're knocking fought. You got too much walking fur to do around the hawking faust and a bet gizzy. She said, you're crocking fazy. I duckin' fun it this morning. She said, you duckin' fitting, look under the tuckin' fable, look at all that duckin' fuss. Rindicella look one took, said, smoly hope. Here, rock and fight him, suck him for you, duck and fool it, won't dirty. And they left her all at home, sire belf. But there was only one proc and fablum. What they didn't knock and foe was Rindersella had a Gary Fod mother. Who had a wagic mon. You won't buck and believe what Huck and Fappen's next. <laughs> Rinder sells at home, she's fleeping the swore like crockin' fazy. Saul of a udden from the roner of the coom. Rinder sell a look one took, said, Foo the hawk are you? Smoley, hope do you ever look stuck and foopid? You got a crockin' found, a drancy fest, and a wagic mon. Foo the hawk are you? She said, I'm your Gary Fod mother. And I heard you want to go to the Bancy Fall to meet the Pransom Hints and the Cansey Fassel. She said, you're rockin' fight a duckin' fool. But Father Huck, can I duckin' fool wearing these rockin' fags? <laughs> Gary Fodmother said, pro noblem. In my possession, beautiful burl, I have a wagic mon. Then all I have to duck and fool is walk in favor to your rockin' fags. I'll turn it into a drancy fest. Rinder Sella said, you're on drunken fugs. She said, no, walking fay, walking fosh. Smoley hoax, she ducking for it. Turned those rockin' fags into a drancy fest. Rinder Sella said, too, mocking fudge. Can I got phone now? She said, beautiful Burl, how can you be so stuck and foopid? 
Look, one took outside. It's raining dats and cogs. You'll get your drunken vessel, duck and ferdy into muck and fud. She said, we'll do some more of your stagic muff. I'm not even touching it. Because I know y'all waiting for me to hock fuck. She said, bring me over that piney pumpkin. She brought it over, took it on the table, guns and went, Smoley hoped she'd duck and fun it again. Turn that piney pumpkin into a can't-see foach, render cellus it too muck and fudge. Can I duck and phone now? She said, beautiful burrow. We bear. See the walk on the call? Check the next line out. If the mock strucks Clidnight. Yeah, me too. If the mock strucks Clidnight, the whole pluck and face is gonna go crock and face, and I guarantee you, guns when you can't see folks will be a piney temple, and guns when your drancy vessel turn to rock and fags. <laughs> Yank through. <laughs> So, you know what happened. She went to the Bancy Fall to meet the Pransom Hints, of course. And she met him on the stuck and fairs. Instantly, he lell in fuv. Because she hooked his tart. <laughs> no walking fay. <laughs> this is a guy we're talking about here. He looked one, took it her tig bits, got a buck and phoner. I also know what happened. They had a dance together, but the mock struck Clid night, she slopped her dripper. <laughs> no. Been there, bought the t-shirt. And the Pransom Hints, uh, found it. You can't put two Fs together, I don't care. And he took it out into the kingdom to try it in every beautiful burrow to see what Fid did. Of course, when he gets to Rindersella's house, had a dock in the north because the bordel was broken. First sad blister comes to the duck and four. She says, Foo the huck are you? He said, Foot out your put. She foot out her put, he fuck her took, slicked her tipper, tried it on, fit and dip. Came to the second sad blister, she foot out her putty, fuck her took, slip her tipper, tried it on, fitted it. But he had one sad blister left to guck and foe. In my Terryville, anyway. She foot out her putty, fuck her took, slip the tipper, trick, trick, fitted it. Now, I know what you're all thinking. You're looking at me going, hey, wait, I'm not gonna fit it. You're a fall headed Bart. You are an Enos with Pierce. <laughs> you just are fucked. I say, no walking fate. Y'all go, you're rocking fight. Let <laughs> me try, just for fun, say, you're rocking fight. You're rocking fight. No problem. <laughs> but I did knock fup. Rindersella was dying behind the whore. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't mean any disrespect, it's just the way it works out phonetically. <laughs> he said, beautiful burrow, foot out your put. She foot out her put, he fuck her took, slucked the tipper, tried it on, small, I hope it fit dick. <laughs> Boat tucking fine, too. <laughs> and so when he had found the beautiful burrow, the one he met at the Bancy Fall, one that he lulled in love with, and the one that hooked his tart. And they lived happily ever after, and had three beautiful kids, two girls and a boy. Well, or two girls and a guy, if you're Jewish. <laughs> I have no idea where the little girls are. But you know what? The good Lord has blessed me with a sense of humor. So I always know where the little boy is. I want to thank you from inside my heart, gang, not my head. God bless you. Bye. <laughs>